Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Statesman Soundwave with your host, Raghav Kosla. Today, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Nick Corso, to talk about a story that popped up at Stevenson in the recent weeks. A former Air Force veteran returned a library book that was 40 years due, but we found out that that book was a big influence on him joining the Air Force. So that got us thinking, how important is high school in determining future plans for individuals. I mean, there's so many experiences and things that happen in high school that may shape our futures. So we thought, why not go into that topic even further? So we talked to Mr. Meredith, who's the Air Force veteran. We spoke with Miss One, who's a physics teacher at Stevenson and attended Stevenson in the past. And we thought we would open this podcast up in a new way by sharing our own perspectives on this topic. So Nick, I'll start by asking you, what are, what are some of your interests? Um, well, for me, some of my interests are usually just broadcasting in general. I, I really like sports broadcasting, in particular broadcasting football games, basketball games, and I do that here at Stevenson as well. Uh, and I think it's a really broad range of how you can include sports and talk shows in one. Uh, and I think it's a great way to collaborate people with sports interests, podcast interests, and uh, combine it into one. Definitely. And I have similar interests. I'm really into sports. I would say I spend a lot of my time reading sports journalism, watching NBA games specifically, but also other sports. And overall, I would say sports is probably my biggest interest. I, the fast-paced nature and everything about sports is what excites me. And I would say that's connected to my future plans. Now, I plan on pursuing journalism, but ultimately the goal will be to pursue sports journalism because I'm always expressing my opinion about sports, whether it be with my friends at the lunch table, on random Twitter threads. I really just like talking about sports, so why not do that for a living? So what about you? Do you have any potential future plans that are related to broadcasting? Yeah, I totally agree with you about sports journalism. I think that's one of my major goals in life is to study sports journalism. Um, but broadcasting is also something that I'm looking to study uh, and really get better at as well. Uh, along with your point, about reading sports journalism. I think that's a really big focal point of my life. I think it circulates with everything that I do, including social media, uh, writing in school, uh, and just everything with like family and friends such as that. Um, and I think with future plans, um, I plan on really just broadcasting and doing sports journalism. I'm trying to uh, focus on both, but I also have an interest with business such as economics. I think economics is really important for this world and I think it really connects both uh, with sports journalism and economics and I think I'll be able to really talk about uh, both of those really well. Definitely and finances are so important in sports. We see in every at least American sports league salary caps play such a big role in constructing rosters and having a uh, acute understanding of both of those would be really impactful towards the journalism or whatever you end up broadcasting. So have there been certain experiences at Stevenson? You mentioned that you're in broadcasting club. So is that an experience and other experiences that have contributed to your plans for the future? Yeah, that's one of them. Um, and I think it's a really broad question because Stevenson has a lot to offer depending on you know what you like and what you want to pursue. But sports broadcasting club uh, is the focal point. Uh, sports broadcasting uh, is led by some great advisors, uh, and it's really student-led, uh, which is really important for many students. Uh, and you can go really far with it, such as different sports, such as football and basketball, but you can also broadcast field hockey, which I haven't um, noticed in the past, but you know, reading upon what field hockey is like and actually broadcasting a field hockey game is so much different than I would thought 
um, and it just goes to show how broad Stevenson is with clubs and activities. Uh, and something else would be Sports Analytics Club. Uh, along with Broadcasting Club, uh, Sports Analytics Club is uh, just like the main sports, just professional-wise, uh, just reading upon stats and everything like that, uh, and learning about just different ways of how sports is diagnosed by different people. Yeah, Definitely, and... We talked about, like, field hockey. Stevenson has such, like, niche sports that other schools might not have. Like, we have a fencing team. We have an ice hockey team that's, that's doing really well in state right now. So we have these so many of these opportunities in high school that help us shape our future plans. You mentioned um, Sports Broadcasting Club. I personally am not a part of that. But when quarantine started, I've always, as I said, had a passion for podcasting. So I talked to Mr. Bradshaw, who's our statesman advisor, and he, he let me on staff, and now I'm podcasting for statesmen. So I've had these influential experiences working with great peers such as Nick here, where we've been working on this podcast for a while now. And it's good to learn these people skills in high school because it tells you how you work in a team and that will have a important impact on you as you progress in your life so it's really interesting at least you've heard our perspective now on how high school is really affecting our personal lives but let's talk to mr meredith now and see what he believes how that book first of all that amazing story about how he returned a library book 40 years late but how other experiences in high school really led him down the path of being a, Air a member of the Air Force and eventually becoming a veteran. So can we start by, just tell us about yourself, your career, your uh, schooling at Stevenson, just tell us about yourself. Um, well, let's start with Stevenson because most of the stuff before that, um, probably nobody cares about. <laughs> uh, but uh, at Stevenson, I came in, um, I did seventh and eighth grade at uh, Twin Groves and then came in with a kind of our grouping and then you had other schools feeding into it. So it was a pretty diverse group of students that uh, came together on that uh, in our class. And I think we had somewhere around 350, 360, some of the students, which is probably laughable now because you guys have, <laughs> you know, you're pushing about Yeah, you guys are, yeah, four grand. I mean, I came back in 98 and you guys were, I think at that time we're like 4,800 or had been 4,800 in the years before that or around that. And it was just, it, it's phenomenal to see the amount of growth that's happened with Stevenson and the, the um, seeds of success of that school uh, comes from the community because there's a lot of that, but then also um, you had such a diverse group of people feeding into the schools. It was, it was very interesting. I'm like, you know, my best friend ended up coming from Hawthorne woods and, um, through him, I met a guy that I'm still friends with that lives, uh, now he was part of Wakanda, but now he lives in Lake Zurich. And, you know, there's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, different, uh, cliques, different groups that you could belong to, um, or, or kind of float between those things and that. And, um, each one kind of gave you a little something of, of themselves to make you feel like you were part of the group. So, um, you know, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was a uh, John Hughes movie um, or any of that stuff, you know, Brat Pack, uh, uh, not Brat, yeah, the, the Brat Pack and that kind of stuff, but it was filmed just down the road. So, you know, some of that uh, resonated with us as, as students, uh, kind of like when you watch uh, Spinal Tap and try and relate that to what modern rock bands are and, you know, rock bands are like, yeah, some of that stuff they were goofing on, but it actually does happen, you know, getting lost in the backstage stuff, so. Um, I, I think there was just being ranked one of the top schools in the state was what it was when we were going through. 
I don't really, I don't think that we really appreciated how good it was till we got out of Stevenson and moved on to college and moved on to wherever life took us. So, yeah, that that was, I don't know, it, it was a it was a great melting pot for different students to get uh, introduced to each other and then kind of, uh, I don't know, help each other out. Then you're you guys were asking what was life after that. That was that was kind of the, the Stevenson stuff. Um, I, I went to University of Illinois, like probably 50 or 60 percent of the class, it seemed, uh, had gone down there. Um, uh, went into the architecture program, thanks to uh, 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 Professor Johansson, who was teaching the architecture and engineering graphics uh, classes there. Um, he did a phenomenal job and kind of, um, I already had a uh, desire to kind of work on architecture and engineering. He kind of fed that very nicely from the faculty side. And ended up at Illinois. Um, I did a year there, and then I was looking at going into the uh, uh, Army National Guard through Illinois, and their uh, you know help pay for college and things along those lines. And then uh, just before I was getting ready to go to basic training, and that I said, you know what, I think I'm gonna um, I, I'm gonna go into the Air Force. My dad had been in the Air Force, so I think I got nipped in the bud, or it kind of bit me early seeing pictures of my dad. Um, sitting with all these filing cabinets and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of sit back in his chair and get a sidearm on him. And I'm like, dad, what's, what were you doing in the air force? And he couldn't talk about it then. And I'm like, okay. And then reading books, like the book that I turned in, you know, 40 years late, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, I don't know. I think I got bit by the history and then, uh, then the family ties to it. And, um, I don't know. It just felt like a natural fit at that time. And, uh, um, I ended up going in, uh, served uh, through the Desert Storm, Desert Shield area, or time frame, I should say, uh, out of Dover Air Force Base, where I was working on uh, C-5 aircraft, which were the largest cargo planes in the free world, and working on the radio and radar systems and the black boxes and all the other stuff that you hear about. The planes go down, unfortunately, but uh, it, it was, you know, it was a great opportunity to, um, you know, to serve my country and, uh, um I don't know, better myself and kind of take advantage of the opportunities that were there. So, um, cool. yeah, I, I, I think that, that, I think that gets me into the military stuff. So, so yeah, we just want to bring it up, bring up the book now. Yeah. So, so sure. in, the main portion is, um, obviously the interest with the book, um, mm -hmm. being that you, uh, returned it 40 years later. <laughs> uh, so the first main question that we have is like, why did the book interest you? at first and why do you check it out? I think I had checked out a bunch of books for a freshman first semester um, assignment. I think we had to write on something from history. So I went and got all these World War II books because I was really interested in, like I said, my dad had got me, you know, kind of set the Air Force bug in my, in my mind. And, um, you know, we didn't have all the um, Google and YouTube uh, rabbit holes to fall down. To, to, to find out about these things, you actually had to pick up a book and actually read it and turn a page and do other things. So I think I checked out several books and I, and, and I, I've I, I, honestly, probably over the last 25 years, I've tried to figure out how did this not get returned? Because when, you know, you, you graduate, you go to college, you put a bunch of stuff in storage with your parents. And then, then I'm moving around with the air force and, you know, and, and I, you know, finally get all my stuff back and I'm sorting through stuff. And I'm like, I'm down in Champaign going to school for um, uh, electrical engineering. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this book. I, 
you know, and I'd take very good care of it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I picked it up and, you know, read it again. And um, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think it just fed that interest in history and, and Air Force, uh, you know, from a different perspective. But yeah, it was just, a, um, I don't know. I, I think it was an entertaining and engaging book at a time when I needed reference material. And, um, you know, maybe subconsciously, I just set it aside and didn't return it or, I, I honestly don't remember, and I I fall upon the mercy of the librarians to forgive my overdue fees and uh, uh, and everything else. So um, yeah, they've been kind. Yeah, sometimes things just like I I remember I still have this. I'm I were, I'm really into basketball, and I still have this like really small basketball that I used to play with when I was like I think my parents said on I was to have a photo with it, and I still have it in my room because it's just you know it's important to me. So I guess yeah. we all have these things that just stick with us and keep us going. And you, you'll find that on the oddest things that you'll have, hang on to and just kind of, you'll, it's, it's not so much an object. It's much more of a uh, connection to a memory at a time and a place that was more important. And yeah. this is the one thing you can take with everybody can take a picture and, you know, do a TikTok or something like that, but to actually have something in your hand that sits on the shelf and you just glance at it and it, it immediately takes you back there. Um, right. as, as you guys grow older and you move through your careers and lives and, and families and the future and that, you'll probably find more and more of those things on your shelf and to the point where you have to build a second shelf. So, <laughs> uh, don't get rid of that basketball. You'll, you'll, you'll appreciate it. I yeah, guarantee definitely. you. Definitely. Um, okay. So as you said before, you um, entered the Air Force. Um, mm -hmm. So we were just wondering like what influence did like the actual book, did it have any information that led you to the Air Force um, or anything like that? Um, I'd say um, it probably filled in some memory, or not, I shouldn't say memory, filled in some gaps on history of stuff that I thought I knew from seeing like, you know, there was some stuff on TV once in a while on a Saturday afternoon or something, WGN or one of the channels would play something. But I, I think it was more of a... Um, uh, like a reference for understanding how a lot of that stuff happened. Cause you know, the U S got into the war uh, a little later than, you know, than it actually started and Britain was kind of defending itself. And um, you know, it was, it was just kind of interesting to hear something that was from outside our, our culture or kind of was telling a story that um, maybe we weren't involved at and weren't covering real heavily over here, but it was affecting, you know, our allies, um, you know, ima imagine somebody was dropping bombs on Lincolnshire and, uh, and, and, and all that, you know, what, what would the drama be and how would it get documented in a time before multimedia? So it was just kind of nice to understand what strategy and what kind of things were going on and just kind of, um, um, I don't know, appreciate what was going on someplace away from us. As far as did I read that? And then it said in the back of the book, like, you know, join the Air Force now. No, it, it never said that. I think it was just part of the narrative of, you know, seeing the pictures when I was a little kid, wondering what my dad's doing with all those things, which until this summer, I did not know what he did. I did not know what was in the filing cabinets. Um, but, you know, I'm watching these things and it's just like, you know what, I'm already looking to go into the army. Why do I want to go uh, halftime when um, I think I wanted to do something more immersive and go full-time Air Force in that? So, um, you know, I, I did my weekend drills with uh, the folks down in Urbana and then up in Waukegan when I when I transferred back here before going into the Air Force 
uh, basic training um, and ended up doing a bunch of work with the Army uh, while I was in, you know, supporting their missions. And then also when I got out, I was uh, working on some uh, autonomous vehicle work uh, through John Deere and with the military. So um, uh, all, due, all respect to all the members of the, uh, the, the military branches. So even though it wasn't a right for, for me at that time, um, I know a lot of people that have really, uh, you know, strapped that on and, and have done wonderful things with their life in that. So definitely. And if I can, if we can ask, um, what was in the filing cabinets? Are we allowed to know? Is that just for you? Um, I, I think, I think we can know because, well, here's the thing is, I had a top secret clearance because I was working on all this, you know, communication stuff. And, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, you can tell me, I, you know, I got, I, I got the codes for tomorrow if I needed it. And it's like, it's like, no, no, no. And then finally we asked him and, you know, kept pestering him. And he, uh, um, he said those were all filled with like files and that kind of stuff. Cause him and a guy that he went into the, the service with who I don't have his name right in front of me. Um, they went in together on the same day and they got matched together on a team where their job was to figure out, um, you know, strategic routes for uh, moving logistics and stuff like that. So, you know, if you had to get a, uh, an airplane or something somewhere um, and you had to know where all the anti-aircraft stuff was, where the missiles were, would be coming through. And this is the middle of the Cold War. So we're talking early 60s, you know, um, uh, you, know, you, you had Kennedy coming in, you had a lot of really complicated things going on and they didn't necessarily have all this computer stuff where they could run simulations. But um, my dad and his, and his buddy were apparently the guys when it came to, um, you know, coming up with solutions for the, uh, for the brass. They'd say, hey, theoretically, if we had to get something from here to here, you know, what's the quickest, best, safest, whatever the parameters were. And, you know, my dad's, pretty humble guy he's like you know we were you know the best team that always came up with stuff because they'd run it past i guess several different groups of people that were you know spread out just to get the best uh, results but um it was very entertaining to learn that because all the time that i was in and i did a lot of what they call tdy which is temporary duty assignments and that you get qualified on the m16 and basic training and uh i had um uh, Called, uh, we got pistol certified and actually was on the base pistol team and that, but I never carried one at work. So, you know, I carried a toolbox with electronic stuff and things like that. Never a sidearm sitting at a desk. Um, so it always, you know, intrigued me what, the, what, what was going on uh, with what he was doing. And maybe, maybe that's the key thing. It's like, I wonder what, what you know, what kind of different things I might work on in the air force that, uh, you know, and they certainly gave me a plenty of interesting things to work on. So it was a great, uh, great time while I served. Yeah, for sure. And you were just talking about um, just experience in the Air Force. But if you wanted to touch upon like relationships with other people, like specific jobs uh, you had in the Air Force or any other experiences you had. Sure. Um, well, everybody, when they come in, they go through basic training down at Lackland Air Force Base. Um, and when I went in, it was right around the time when they were finishing making it a six-week course, and they were going to get ready to make it eight-week course. Um, I think probably like the month after I, I um, they call graded out. I, I finished up basic training in that. Um, but you're there. It's in um, uh, uh, Lackland, Texas, or uh, yeah, um, Lackland Air Force, San Antonio, Texas, 
And you've got people, again, like for Stevenson, you get people from all over the, 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 the area. Well, we were getting people from all over the country. So we had guy, a guy from Alaska who was used to like living out in the bush and hunting for food and doing all these other things. Um, a really nice guy and really intelligent and things like that. And then you had guys who were from like Hawaii and California and Florida. So when I went in, it was uh, January 7th of uh, 87. You know, they, they actually like shut down the entire area because we got like that. We got like a quarter inch of snow or sleet or something. And we're, you know, under our little training area canopy. And we're like looking out there and these people are sliding into each other and that. And, you know, up here in the Midwest, you know, we don't get as much snow as we did back then. But, you know, there's a lot of snow we're used to seeing. I'm like, no big deal. It's cold. This is what happens when water gets cold. And the guy from Alaska is just like laughing, watching all these people. And then the, the California, Hawaii, and Florida guys are just like, they'd never seen snow. I mean, literally had never seen it in person. And they're out there making their first snowball and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. So it was interesting to kind of uh, interact with people from di the different areas and understand that, uh, you know, Midwest is, is the Midwest. You know, a different region is a different region. And we all might do things a little bit differently, but um, the, the purpose of basic training is to kind of break down all the individuals and start building back up as a team so it's not to destroy the individual it's to break them down to the point where you start relying on the guys around you and you you, you start to trust them and you have to be you know you might not talk to a guy from alaska if you're from florida because you don't really have a lot of common things but when you're all going through the same drama of basic training and that you kind of get rebuilt as a team uh, then you find out where you're going to be stationed and what your career field is going to be. And um, I maxed out the, the test when you go in there. So they said, you know, what jobs do you want to go go for? And I had uh, my, my main two. I, I got one of those. And uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm headed off to uh, um, uh, Keesler, Mississippi, um, or excuse me, Biloxi, Mississippi, Keesler Air Force Base for nine months learning electronics and that kind of stuff. And um you know, it's, it's, again, the same thing of, you know, suddenly you're marching to class, you know, you guys think it's rough riding the bus or, you know, riding your buddy's car in the, in the back seat or something like that. Just imagine marching two miles to work or to class, doing class for six hours and then marching back um, in the heat, in the cold, in the wet, it's downpouring rain. We're working on electronics. I've got a second set of clothes in my bag because you can't work on electronics when you're wet. So it was all these different things of, hey, the mission's got to get done. Here's, you know, we're going to have to march. We don't always have buses and, and all this other stuff. So, um, and then you find out what your first, you know, um, post is going to be. And mine was at Dover Air Force Base. And, I, you know, being in the Midwest here, not really having a frame of reference for what was the East, you know, what the East Coast looked like. I'm going, oh, I'm going to Clam Chowder Land and Willie Sweaters and Angela Lansbury. I'm going to be way up there. And then I find out, yeah, I'm just south of Philly and west or east of uh, Baltimore, D.C., which was phenomenal. I loved that, that, that base. That was great. Um, and then you start getting proficient at your job. And next thing you know, you're training the new guys coming in. And, um, you know, you're all working together as a team. And it's, you know, failure is not an option when you're doing those things. There's no, I lost my homework. Um, if you were to have a situation like that, you're going to have a full bird colonel who's the base commander looking over your shoulder going, why isn't my airplane fixed and taking off on time? I have to go explain to my general why this isn't working. 
why is it, you know, you got to explain to him what's going on. And it made the accountability level um, for everybody that much higher. And you didn't want your, you know, your squadron commander to get in trouble or your, you know, your, your uh, shop commander and that to get uh, upset or something. That's so you always worked extra hard. And if you needed help, then you, you asked for it. You weren't too bashful to say something. And it's like, you know, sometimes you have to call in the troops for, for some support. And um, I, I think that's one of the things that uh, they underappreciated um, earlier in life is sometimes, you know, if you have to ask for help or something like that, people are more than willing to, to help out or, you know, pitch in when they know there's a, a just cause in that. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I really, really enjoyed my time in doing that kind of stuff because, you got, again, you got to meet the different people. Um, you got to do the different jobs and then, uh, um, I don't know, it was like community. It was really yeah, cool. it's, I was just about to say, it seems like the military is a very unifying experience and it just creates a sense of discipline within a person that you got, yeah. you got to be accountable and you got to, you got to get the mission done. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then just to wrap it up, um, bringing back the book, um, like you touched upon that you uh, recovered it and you didn't know that you still had it so did you did you lose it or did you just forget about it or misplace it I, I think what happened is when I went off to college um, my parents moved from um, where we were at uh, up in what I think it was called Kildare at the time but it's uh, uh, kind of up at that uh, Kruger Road and, and Cuba kind of between Cuba Road and, and 22 up by the Kemper insurance uh, place. They moved from there out to Algonquin. Oh. So I think they took a lot of stuff that I had left in my room when I went off to college and they just moved it all there and had it packaged up. And when I came back from college and I was getting ready to go into the Air Force, there's a lot of the stuff I didn't need to be digging through the boxes or things like that. So when I actually got all my, I had my parents forward all my stuff to um, Dover Air Force Base, I think I found it at that point. It was just like, oh my God, I've got this book and I'm like in the Air Force and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it kind of sat on the bookshelf because I ended up developing a rather large library and it was just one of the books there. And I was never like, I'm not going to mail it back. And I was like, you know, I, I really still enjoy looking at it. And it kind of reminds me of my time at Stevenson. Um, so it was kind of like uh, without having a yearbook on the, on the, in the bookcase, um, it was, it was like a reminder while I was, you know, in the Air Force and traveling, doing stuff. And then when I got out of uh, the Air Force and uh, was working for Motorola and that, then I, you know, I still had it because I was still on the East Coast. And when I came back to school, um, you know, all my stuff got packed up and then moved back again. So I, I think it sat safely packed away and then brought out and then packed away when I, whenever I moved. Um, and that's how I found it again. Um, basically it was last summer and was just like, okay, no, yeah, I didn't. I didn't travel back to this area very frequently, and with the schools and everything being on lockdown, I'm like, that's the last thing they want to do is have some, you know, some dude bringing some book that might might or not might or might not be the you know the the, the carrier of the plague or something mm -hmm. like that. So I'm like, eh, you know what, I'll save it, and then uh, I end up moving back uh, up, uh, uh, you know, in the in the region, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I, I got to take a trip down that way. You know what, I'm gonna make a point of bringing this book and just giving it back to him and hope for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, and it, it literally sat in the car for probably a year, year and a half. Cause 
you know, when I would come over, I'd be like, eh, no, they're, they're probably still closed. And this time I was like, all right, I'm making a point. I'm returning it because now it's comical because it's like 40 years later, I was, I was actually very proud of the way it looked. And Miss um, Gorham, uh, when she opened it up, the first thing she realized is she's like, you know, where, where, you, where you used to stick the little card in, you know, the, the little holder right there, it still said, you know, Stevenson or Adlai E. Stevenson High School, Prairie View, Illinois. And she's like, wow, this is really old because we're now called Lincolnshire. And I'm like, that's what it was. I, you know, it was just, I don't know. I, I, I've taken care of my stuff and I've really, uh, I think over the years, looked at the book and thought fondly back on my time, um, not only in the Air Force, but, but at Stevenson and, you know, how far I came from being a freshman first year writing uh until now a grown adult and uh you know and, and doing uh, you know working on very interesting r d projects and and getting eight patents it's like i I, th I think i'm almost as proud of that book being in that good a condition after 40 years as i am of uh, the plaques on the wall so um it's 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 fun that's a, that's a great story and yeah. just a, a tangent a bit into scenes and for our last couple of questions what was your reaction? I mean, coming back to this campus 40 years later, I'm assuming it was different, so. <laughs> well, I, I'd actually come back in 98 when um, uh, we were on break down at, down at Illinois. And I think we came up for a, uh, I was on a student project where we made half scale indie race cars. It's called Formula SAE. And we were up uh, in the area, um, I think we we're up in Mundelein or Libertyville. Um, just kind of testing and showing the car off and look up for sponsors and that. And I mean, me and my then girlfriend, you know, came on campus because I came to show her where I went to high school because we were so close. And, you know, we picked up a copy of the Statesman and it's like, you know, student survey or quotes on that. And I think the question of the, of the issue was, you know, how do you feel being on a campus this big with, you know, you know, you know 4,500 students or something like that. And one of the students' reactions was, you know, I can't imagine knowing everybody in my class and, you know, I like the anonymity of that. And I, and I had to reflect back going, I think I would recognize everybody out of our class. Maybe you didn't see them all the time or you weren't directly connected to them, but you would kind of know walking through who your people were. And, you know, I'm sure after four years where you guys are at and that, you know, it's something where you recognize classes because, you know, I don't remember seeing them before, um before COVID or or something else but uh I, I think you find community where you do and somewhere I got off on a tangent there <laughs> <laughs> well I was just, like right now so when you came to attend the book you went into oh yes yes so when I um I came back for our 30th reunion I think it was about six years ago and we got the tour with uh, Dr. Herzog who was the superintendent back at that time and we got to see the campus with the John F. Kennedy uh, Performance Arts there in the football stadium, and it was a torrential downpour for the football game. And you know, it was it was great going back through all these things, um, and uh, to see the growth of that. And then, um, funny side story on that: um, the lockers in the West Building, first hallway, um, right across from where the admin area used to be. I took a picture on the last day of our senior year and I'd had them and I brought them back to the reunion just to see, you know, just to kind of, I don't know, bring my memorabilia or something like that. Cause I had duplicates of these and Jane Cerisi and John Weirs 
I'd taken picture of them kind of like hanging out by the locker kind of thing and that. And they were there for the reunion and they were just laughing hysterically, thinking back, back to those days. And they did a pose on that, uh, uh, the same uh, exact uh, pose on that. So uh, Jane Cerisi, um, with, who's still in the area there, um, should have uh, copies of those pictures, or I, or I might be able to dig them up if it was ever uh, an interest for you. But yeah, the, the core of Stevenson is still there, as proven by the locker shots. But then you guys have really grown and expanded it so that it's, you know, we got a hockey team now. I mean, you know, I, I, they've been doing really well. <laughs> I, well, that's the thing is I, you know, I broke my collarbone playing um, floor hockey in the upper gym. Um, and then I went on and I'm a level four hockey coach right now. So, you know, I, I had the hockey thing. When I came back and you guys had a hockey team, I rolled a tear. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I would have played, but man, that was, that was phenomenal. So, um the campus is phenomenal. I would, my, my message to all the students is make as much of that opportunity as you can. You have got zero responsibilities right now. You've got every opportunity to explore whatever um, career sport or whatever it is that you want to dig in, take advantage of it. Because when you get out and you're, you know, you're out in the working world, you'll be paying a lot of money to experience the things to see if you like it, that you could be doing for free or, you know, at a, at a reduced rate. Um, with what Stevenson's uh, put together for you. It's a phenomenal facility, educational. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I hope everybody appreciates what they have there and takes advantage of it. I think that's a great way to conclude. That was going to be my last question, like the impact of high school, but I think you answered it perfectly with that. So thank you so much for being here today, Mr. Merida. My pleasure. Anytime, guys, if there's anything we can do uh, to help uh, the students along or something like that. We're, we're all about it. Thank you so much. The alums, alums like the alums like this stuff. Cause it's like, you know, giving back to the, the school that gave something to us. So and thank we'll you be- for uh, pursuing me and in, uh, in the book. Um, thank, thank uh, Miss Gorham for her kindness for not uh, uh, pursuing me. And uh, <laughs> I hope the book uh, ends up, uh, I don't know, with some memento or something like that. Where you know, we'll let you hey, know. We'll let you know. Afterwards, we spoke with Miss One, a former Stevenson alumni who currently teaches physics and chemistry at Stevenson, and we just wanted to get her input on things Mr. Meredith talked about, such as how her high school experience and experiences with teachers at Stevenson really impacted and influenced her to becoming a teacher and returning back to Stevenson. What about being a teacher excites you? Oh my gosh. Well... I love a lot of things, but the main thing is I love getting to know students um, and their interests. I feel like when kids are in high school, they are learning a lot about themselves. This is when they start to think about their future. Um, So being a teacher for me, it's really exciting to possibly make an impact on them and see their interests change. Maybe they end up loving science or maybe they end up finding just a connection to the content, even though they hated science prior to the class. Um, So I really enjoy just seeing kids interested in a subject that maybe they didn't think they would be interested in. And then just to see them pursue it further is exciting. Like I've had kids who go on past, you know, AP physics and they do another physics class or kids who take AP chem later on because they loved chemistry um, or kids who try to find internships in like 
NASA and all sorts of stuff. So it's just fun to see, um, you know, other kids be excited about science because I feel like sometimes science has a bad, bad rap, but <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm not, I wouldn't say science is my favorite subject, but <laughs> I think you said a lot of good things about, especially how as high schoolers really growing as people as well. So it's important that our classes support that growth. Mm-hmm. And I think teachers are a big part of that, yeah. building that relationship. Because not just as a teacher, but like you learn how to build connections with like teachers and like that would be how you were, make connections with your bosses. Yeah. So it's just, it's and a, people that you don't know. Like in Stevenson, exactly. you don't know a lot of kids. You come into a classroom, you don't know anyone. Yeah. And like in our science classes, you're like forced to work with people. Like yeah. you're going to leave that classroom, you know everyone in there. Exactly. Even if you didn't know them prior to. Yeah, like yeah. all the labs we did, you work with different groups. Yep. It's a great opportunity. Yeah, totally. So why did you, so you sort of touched on this, but yeah. why did you choose teaching as your career path? Well, I actually was voted in my chemistry class when I was here a student at Stevenson, like most likely to become a science teacher. And I was like, oh, that's like kind of fun. I really enjoyed my science class. I loved my science teacher. Um, And then I went to college and I wasn't sure. I just wasn't totally committed to being a teacher. I thought maybe I love science, so I went with a chem major. And I knew I wanted to work with kids in some sort of way. So it was either be a teacher or my other route was be a pediatrician. And so when I was thinking about those things, we actually did a, I took an internship in South Africa, went there and basically worked in the hospitals with kids to see what it was gonna be like to be a pediatrician. So actually kind of like living the day-to-day of what a pediatrician would do. We shadowed someone. Um, I worked in the hospitals at the University of Iowa where I went to school, so I felt like I got a good full experience on it, but I just wasn't feeling totally like fulfilled. Um, For me, the main thing was like, sometimes I left the hospital and I was sad. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this every single day. And so I started really looking into teaching and I knew that being with kids and learning about science was a passion of mine. So once I started um, shadowing some of their teachers and going into the classroom and volunteering with tutoring, I immediately was like, this is the path for me. Every time I left, I was just so excited because, you know, you helped a kid understand a tough subject or you get to see someone else like understand something they didn't know before or see an experiment that excites them. So pretty much after that, after I kind of ruled out being a pediatrician, I was like, okay, well, I need to give this my full, um, like intentions and actually like try it out and I loved it so after that I stayed and got my master's in education and wound up here pretty much so <laughs> so that leads me to my next question I mean why did you end up co- like choosing to come back to Stevenson well I always it had always been kind of like I'd love to come back here I feel like when it's your alma mater there's like a little bit of like a tie to it mm-hmm. that you feel like oh I loved my high school experience and like I'd love to go back there because I loved my experience so much I know it's not the same for everybody but I had such a good experience here that I was always like if I ever get the chance to go back and like see my old teachers and like work with them it would be such a cool opportunity now I always thought it would be after I like had established myself as a teacher at a different school and things like that but yeah the cards just kind of fell into place I left Iowa and interviewed at a bunch of schools out here and it just like worked out. I mean, I am so lucky and I know how privileged I am to be able to work at a school that has like the resources and things like that to help kids do things that they really wanna do. So it just kind of worked out. It like, I saw a posting and applied and went through the whole process and kind of went through the whole process with some other schools. 
And then when it came down to choosing, I it was kind of a no-brainer for me. Yeah. I wanted, I was like, okay, well, I thought I would go as a more established teacher, but how great to go to the school and learn from those who taught me, like in my first, second, and third year teaching. Yeah, so that's such a great opportunity. It worked out. Yeah. I know. So you touched on how amazing your spe- uh, students and experience was. What specifics, what were the things you were involved in, and how, like, why did that help you in, down your path? You went to Iowa and ended up back here. Yeah. Well, I went to a really small middle school. I went to West Oak. It's a feeder middle school. And I think I came here knowing like five people, including my brother and sister. So they, I'm a triplet where they were, we came together and I knew them and like two other people. And so I think I was really overwhelmed at first at, you know, just like going to a big school, not knowing anyone where everyone knows each other. And I just felt like the classroom communities that I were in like forced me to get to know people and I was not like sitting at my desk listening to my teacher's lecture but getting to know all these new people and then just the opportunities that Stevenson offered just like extracurriculars and finding my interests and like doing things like that so I ended up playing soccer while I was here I did cheerleading all four years while I was here I did all the clubs you know all of the things NHS and it was just a good opportunity because everything that I did I met new people and I just thought that was one of the coolest things about Stevenson which is why I was like okay well I'm not going to a smaller school that's one of the aspects that I loved about Stevenson so I kind of went Big Ten because I wanted to go to a big school where I could meet new people every class that I took Um, and I chose Iowa just because of the scholarship opportunities that were there and it just worked out so I don't know I was never someone who was like I'm going to go to Yale. Like, I never had a strong feeling about where I wanted to go. I'm someone who I think anywhere I would have went, I would have had a great time, made good connections with people. And so they had almost a full ride for me. And I was like, okay, well, that's pretty much it. Like, it wasn't really a big decision maker for me. And it helped that my brother went there too. So I knew someone, again, walking into the door. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about how, like, coming from a small middle school, it's it can be a daunting transition. I came from a a different country. So it was like... And every, it seems like everyone knows each other. They yeah. have their middle school friend groups, but yeah. it's hard to break in. But once you do, it's just such a great experience. There's so many opportunities yeah. to take part in. And I know not, and I know obviously like some people from my middle school who yeah. came here were like, this is too big. Yeah. I don't like it. But for me, like just someone who wanted to get to know more people, I, it was great. Yeah, same. That Worked was the out. same experience for yeah. me. So uh, how does Stevenson compare then to how it is now? Well, I actually just had a Friendsgiving with some of my high school friends like the other day and we were just kind of talking about this well first of all it's way fancier um i would say like my science the biggest thing like my science classroom just because i teach in a science classroom every day was like a tiny little class classroom that was all cramped with all of our little desks we didn't have these nice like high top tables that like rolled and everything and then our lab was like a separate room behind us because they couldn't make our classrooms double as loud like it just wasn't feasible at the time um, the other thing is the building, the East building, which we're in now, um, was like the new, new building. It was like brand spanking new. It was like, we were all so excited. I know it's like walking around in a square, but it was like revolutionary to us. Um, and I'd probably say, obviously we didn't have the like bells and whistles, no sushi on Fridays, <laughs> no Jasmine's, none of that. And the food was like your typical high school food. I think this was like really before people actually started to care about the nutrition that, kids are eating during the school day and it was like you know bosco sticks and burgers and fries like pretty much every single day 
And the thing that my friends always talk about is like those cookies that people ha- that they have at Jasmine's. They've always had those cookies. It was just like the chocolate chip, but they were like fifty cents when I was here, and now they're like a dollar fifty. So some <laughs> inflation since I've been here. Um, and then yeah, pretty much everything else has been the same. Obviously, the school continues to grow and continues to become more and more diverse, which is awesome. Um, so that's a little bit different, but I mean, I graduated with close to a little bit over a thousand kids, which is probably similar to what you're going to yeah. have too. So, so it's always been big. Yeah. That's, I think that's one thing. You one can say thing about. that stays the same. Yeah, yeah. So we talked to someone else uh, for this podcast yeah. who graduated in like 89 and he also had just, it was just as big. It's yeah. crazy. How it's students crazy. They just been. keep, yeah. And I just saw they put up another like, um, subdivision, like right over here. And more houses are going up. I'm like, how will I fit another kid in my classroom? It yeah. might be impossible, but maybe we'll get bigger spaces. I don't know. We'll see. But um, was there an experience with a certain teacher that really drove you to like becoming a teacher, just coming back to Stevenson? Um, Mr. Kelly was my chemistry teacher, and he actually just retired last year. And he was like the number one reason why I was like, if I am, if I'm ever going to become a teacher, I want to be like him. Um, he just came with so much energy and excitement every single day. And if it wasn't like you had to be the most knowledgeable person in the room, as long as you were like having fun learning science. And I feel like sometimes with science, people are like, if you don't know it, you don't get it. It's like not for you. Um, my dad is in science, my sister's in science and they talk about some stuff and it's still like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need to process it. But like the difference is like. I really enjoy the like doing of science, the like the lab section of it, the understanding of like how it relates to our day to day life. And my teacher, Mr. Kelly, did such a good job of like finding these concepts and like connecting it to something that like made sense to kids who maybe like have to work a little bit harder. And so I think everyone just had such a positive experience in his classroom and he made everyone feel so welcome. And we all enjoyed the class that it was like, it was hard to walk away and not feel like, okay, this is something I'd I'd love to do for kids or someone else. Like whether it was like for profession or like helping your other friend who's in the class. Um, But yeah, he just retired and it was really, I I mean, I was so lucky to work with him here for like six years before he retired. And to this day, like he always, he says in his number, well, I used to be his number one favorite student over all of his years, and now I think I've been demoted to number two, but I'll still take it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he was just such a great influence on me and then continued to be a mentor when I came back here to Stevenson, just being able to, like, observe me, give me feedback and stuff like that as a new teacher. So it was awesome just to be able to, like, work with him before yeah. he left, which is crazy. So, like you said, Mr. Kelly became a mentor for you, just, like, a positive experience to you becoming a teacher. Yeah. So, to wrap our discussion up, how important are these high school experiences and working with these teachers to determining what you want to do in the future? I mean, I think, like, the thing for me is, like, I, I know not every kid is going to go into science with their major, um, but I do hope that kids develop a relationship with their teacher to the point where they could ask them for advice on like choosing schools or like how to choose like their pathway because I truly like you're 18 and they're asking you to like make a decision about your life like this is what I want to do at 18 and it's like that could change and it's a lot of pressure and I feel like not everyone's going to choose science but I I want to make sure that kids feel comfortable to talk to me about like hey this is what what I'm thinking what are your thoughts even if it has nothing to do with science but just looking at different schools different programs class loads things like that because obviously being a teacher we've already been through all of that and have a little bit of experience on our side like I know when I left Stevenson 
I thought when I went to college, like I had to take honors everything because that's like sometimes the underlying like you know message. Sometimes you're like, oh, I got to take honors everything and make sure it looks good. And I thought that that was what I had to do in college. And I immediately was like, okay, that is not the same story. And like, that was just something that like I had built up for myself. And like my recommendation to kids now all the time is like, take one class of honors that you like are really dedicated and interested in and like see what that level is like. And, but you don't need to like overdo it. You know what I mean? But I just had a different conception about it when I went to college and no one was there to tell me like, Hey, like you might want to dial it back. So I think like, you know, just developing a relationship with your teachers to talk about some of those things that like you might not think about or the things that maybe you don't want to necessarily talk to your parents about because you're like, hey, I don't want to take this class. Like, what are your thoughts? You know what I mean? Just finding other options. Like, that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, I, I don't expect to like mentor anyone to be like, you must go to the University of Iowa. Would I love it? Yes. But like, just telling kids like there are other options out there. Like, I definitely chose my school based on the scholarship opportunities, which I know is not like common. I think a lot of kids like have one school in their mind and like, that's where I'm going. You know what I mean? Um, And so just even having a conversation about being open-minded so that when you leave college, you don't have student loans and like the, the wonderful ability that that has given me now, like as an adult, like, you know what I mean? Things that kids like don't necessarily think about. Yeah. You can travel and enjoy your life. Exactly. Great point. yeah, these relationships I was just thinking about myself, like with my teachers, they're definitely going to help impact me as I grow into my adult life. So yeah, it's really important. For sure. And with that, we would like to conclude this episode of Statesman Soundwave. We wanted to thank Mr. Meredith and Miss One for their significant contributions to this podcast. I mean, Mr. Meredith's story about returning a library book 40 years late and how that book really influenced his journey was just so inspiring to hear, and we can't wait to hear more stories like that in the future if we ever come across one. If you have a similar experience, something in high school really sparked your sparked your journey in the future, let us know down in the comments. We'll be more than happy to hear that. Otherwise, we'll catch you guys in the next episode of Statesman Soundwave. Thank you.